Welcome to Transformation Church RVA. This sermon is a part of our series called Our Prayer. We want to start this new year on our knees in prayer, asking the Lord to shape our church and transform our community by the gospel. May this revival be marked by a biblical understanding of the image of God in men and women and racial reconciliation amongst the body of Christ, transcending and restoring our culture. Today, we have the privilege of Darren and Shauna Davis coming in. Um, They are missionaries with the IMB uh, to Sub-Saharan Africa. Um, Darren and Shauna oversee a lot of the missions going on there. Um, Check in with different missionaries around. Um, It is a privilege to have them in today. Um, They actually both are local. one went to L.C. Bird, one went to Monacan, from my understanding, so some local folks in the house. Um, so would you give them a warm hand um, as Darren comes up? Well, thank you so much for that uh, warm welcome and the opportunity to, to join here today and to really look at what is important to the heart of God. Uh, I understand you've been walking through, looking at uh, key characteristics of what God wants from his people and uh, how God wants to use the church. And so today we're going to have a look at a God who is a sending God. God is a God who sins. And in 1997, he sent... Shauna and me, and this young lady here sitting behind Shauna when she was two years old. We had a three-year-old son, and then a couple of years later, we um, had another child. And uh, so there's a picture coming up of our current family. We've grown a little bit over the years. Uh, We are, uh, two of our kids are now married. Our oldest and youngest are married, and we have two beautiful grandsons One of our grandsons is the same age as Mav down here. So this lady right here might come over and want to hold that little baby. Because we're going to see that grandson in about a week. uh, And we can't wait to see. And I don't know if you noticed, but Mav and I, we dressed alike today. Khakis and a gray checkered shirt. We just had a connection from, uh, you know, just because I have a grandson that's five months old as well. And so... But we've served for 25 years in Sub-Saharan Africa. We raised our children there. Now all our kids, excuse me, are back here in the States. So it's a little difficult, sorry about that, uh, when we're so far away and we're trying to uh, get back here, we try to get together and enjoy uh, seeing all of our family together. So I want to introduce you to them. Um, Peyton is on the the far right of the screen. She's the youngest and she's married to the young man next to her, Lucas. On the other side is our son, Micah, and he's married to the young lady next to him. And her name is Callie. And then uh, uh, Meredith is standing between me and Callie. And then Shauna and I are holding our grandsons. And uh, so we are very, very thankful for the way the Lord has blessed us. Our role is to set vision, strategy, supervision for all of the IMB, the International Mission Board's work 
in sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, they're in your, um, so that whole blue area is the area which that uh, we're responsible. We have over 300 missionaries serving across those countries. And we provide leadership, encouragement. In a way, I'm a pastor to those missionaries. In a way, I'm, a, I'm their leader. I provide supervision, vision as we seek to engage in the missionary task and serve alongside African churches as we make disciples of all nations for God's glory. There's a, um, uh, in your bulletin, there's six things you might not have known about Africa. There's a lot of interesting things in there. You know, one of the things that surprises us is that Africa has more followers of Christ than any other area of the world. So why are we sending missionaries there? Well, we have a part to play in helping the church in Africa send missionaries to the ends of the earth. So there's a video that I want you to watch that kind of gives you an introduction of who we are and what we do in sub-Saharan Africa. So watch this. The gospel of Jesus Christ has been proclaimed in sub-Saharan Africa since the 15th century. And the International Mission Board has served here for almost 200 years. So why are IMB missionaries still here? because we want to see African churches sending African missionaries to the ends of the earth. Across the continent, there are millions who have never heard the name of Christ or the good news that he brings. There are multitudes that have been deceived by false stories and gospels that promise prosperity without eternal hope. And while there are those waiting and hopeless, there's also a massive force of African Christians who are ready and willing to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. That means every person who puts their hand to the plow in sub-Saharan Africa is uniquely positioned to engage in the missionary task and serve alongside African churches as we make disciples of all nations for God's glory. Our specific roles may look different, but our mission unifies our efforts. If we're serving among an unreached people group in a village that's never heard the gospel before, we faithfully evangelize while building gospel DNA that results in the village sharing the gospel with others. If we're teaching theological education classes, a crucial component of the curriculum is equipping students to plant churches cross-culturally anywhere and everywhere. Whether it's humanitarian projects, medical services, business startups, discipleship classes, or simply chatting under the acacia tree in the bright African sun, our focus is one. African churches sending African missionaries to the ends of the earth. Come, walk alongside experienced missionaries and African partners as we join forces in the Great Commission. Come, take your place as God transforms the harvest field into the harvest force for his glory. So I want to take us back to the early church. In Acts chapter 13, we see a church that was birthed out of persecution. And believers were scattered. And a group of believers gathered in Antioch. How did we go from a few churches in the time of Acts 
to a time when we literally are seeing a continent who are being mobilized to be sent to the ends of the earth. What we see in the book of Acts is a pattern that we must not forget. It's a pattern that we must continue to practice. It's a pattern that we must need to keep at the very heart and center of who we are as the church. Because what we see here in this Acts chapter 13 is a group of believers who are being led by men who are praying and fasting and seeking the Lord. And what does the Lord through the Holy Spirit say to them? He says, go. Look at, uh, we want to begin by reading Acts chapter 13 verses 1 through 5. So if you would, would you stand with me in honor of God's word as we look at what was taking place in one of the early church's uh, vision and, and what was going on in that church. Now there were at Antioch in the church that was there prophets and teachers. God is good to give us leaders. We need leaders in the church. They were Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manian, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent away by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they had reached Salamis, they began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews. And they also had John as their helper. Father, we pray that these words would become alive to us today and to see that Transformation Church and the church at Antioch have the same mission. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. So what I see here is this kind of summary statement of what's going on that I want to help, I want you to remember. The Holy Spirit, through the church, sends the called out ones to engage in God's mission field for the purpose of the work. The called out ones, they go and the work, to do the work and then they return to report to the church about the work they have done. That's really a summary of what happens in Acts chapter 13 and then through the end of 14. We see that these things taking place. The first thing I want us to see here today is that God is a sending God. From the very first early church, when the leaders gathered to pray, what did he do? He sent. He sent from the church to the nations. And I want us to see that, that what that means for the church is you are central to God's plan to reach a lost world. The church is central to God's plan to reach a lost world. It is from this church that they are sent out. They engage in the work. And what we see throughout Acts is that the gospel goes from town to town, province to province, 
area to area. It starts with the church and ripples out across the nations. And you, as this church, as you give, as you pray, you have been sending missionaries to Africa since you, this church, began. You're a part of the Southern Baptist Convention, and we have been sending missionaries to Africa since the mid-1800s. And look what God has done. Through the church, God has sent to Africa, and every corner of Africa has heard what? The gospel of Jesus Christ. As a result, people are discipled, leaders are raised up, churches are started, and the church goes to the next village, and the next village, and the next village. Our God is ascending God. This shouldn't surprise us. He sent an angel to Mary and Joseph to make sure they understood what was happening. He cares so much that his message needs to get to the next person. And so he sends a messenger. God is ascending God. Think about some of the parables or some of the stories in the New Testament. When a sheep is lost, what does God do? He says, leave the what? The 99 to go to the one. God's heart is for the lost to be reached. So he says, go. What about when that one coin is lost? The widower cleans the house to find it. God wants the lost to be saved. And then our friend here who baptized reminded us of the Great Commission. That we are to go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them. Teaching them to observe all things. And what does God say? Jesus say, I will be with you. God is a sending God. We see it over and over and over again. In 1997, Sean and me, we were in rural Virginia near Lynchburg. And God sent us. And he sent us to a rural people group living on a floodplain in western Zambia. We lived among grass huts and mud huts. We lived in a rural setting. And in that day and time, we were going to engage those unreached and unengaged people groups who have not yet heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. The landscape of missions has changed. Do you know one of the things that's interesting about Africa is that it is becoming urban more rapidly than anywhere else in the world. And God is raising up missionaries to go to the cities, to go to the urban jungles of Africa, the chaotic cities where the traffic is gridlocked, where people are living on top of one another. But this is the new Africa. And I want you to watch this video that kind of helps us get a picture of what urban Africa, Africa is like. Realities clash with perceptions. No longer are mud huts the norm. Steel and concrete scrape the sky. Thousands of people move to these cities every day in search of employment, education, a better future. The result? The fastest growing urban movement in the history of the world. Africa's cities are thriving, energetic, bursting with potential. Yes, they're overcrowded and chaotic. Village lifestyles clash with city ways. Traditions haven't been abandoned, but urban life is full of new possibilities. 
Money changes hands wirelessly. People network on social media. Life is documented through selfies. Urban Africans are thriving in the exploding growth of their cities. This is the new Africa. Because God is a sending God, the church is to be a sending church. The ethos of the church is to be one of praying and fasting, seeking and sending. And that means some are going. Are we doing our part? That's another thing I see here in this first church is that God gives us all a part to play. God isn't just interested in giving the, the leaders a part to play. No, the church is the body. Every part matters. The foot matters. The knee matters. The ear matters. The eye matters. We all matter. God gives all of us a part. And we see that here in this, uh, th this story from Acts chapter 13. The, the leaders gathered and they were praying. The church was a part of this. This was a, all the church coming together. And then all the church had a part to play in making sure these men, as they were sent out, they were prayed for, they were supported as they were going. Our God is ascending God. But he comes alongside of us as the church and he gives us all a part to play. We see here that the leaders in this church, they were leading well. They were people of prayer. They were people who called their church to fast. They called their church to give focus to those things which are important. And the mission of God is important. Church leaders, they're instruments of God to lead the church, to create an ethos in the church that is in line with God's heart. And that's what I see here in uh, Acts chapter 13. This church, they were moving in step, in sync with who God is and what is on his heart. God is ascending God and he's calling up people to do their part. I was with a pastor in a West African country. And he had a heart for his own people. His own people are actually uh, known for terrorism. They wreak havoc in that part of the world. He was a believer. And he had a heart to go into his people and make sure they knew the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was dangerous. It was difficult. But that was his heart. But he was pastoring a church. Was he to leave the church and go to engage that people group? What was he to do? So he gathered with his leaders and together they prayed. Together the church fasted. Together the church sought what the Lord would have them do. The point was that people group needed to hear the gospel. And this church wanted to be a part of what that meant and what that looked like. So they prayed together, they fasted together, and they came up with a plan that would result in the pastor continuing to pastor, but then to be sent out for periods of time to share the gospel, to disciple, 
Then he would come back and rest and retreat. The church would minister to him. He would minister to the church. And then he would go back out. And this carried on for years. And as a result, a multitude of people in that people group have come to know faith in Christ. The point is this. God's heart is to reach those people groups. The church has a part to play in that. So pray and fast. Seek the Lord and see what the part, what, what is the part you need to play. You know, and God is calling out. God called us out. And the church, we need the church to stand with us. We need the church to pray for us. When we go to the places that we go to around the world, there is great spiritual attack. There is uh, fatigue. Missionaries get worn out. They get burned out. And the church is a way in which we get great encouragement when we know you're praying for us, when we know that you're there for us. You know, COVID wreaked havoc all around the world the last couple of years, and it had an impact on your missionaries. In a matter of a few months, early last year, four different missionaries had to be airy-vacked from their location of service to get medical attention due to COVID. One of those couples, the man was put on a ventilator. And I want you to see a video of his story after being on a ventilator for months. So take a look at the story of George and Geraldine Smith. That's when I knew that this could be serious. I saw people on television and how they had these breathing tubes on the throat and the mouth, and, and that was George. It got to a point one night he just got really, really sick. Oxygen level was low. Said, George, you need to go to the hospital. They said that they didn't think they had enough time to nebulize him. They would evacuate him to Nairobi, where we were for the past four and a half months. And I said to him, I'm not there yet. I'm just not there yet. And um, he was saying that, well, you know, we all want miracles and we want our loved one to survive, but it don't always happen. I shared with him that, you know, that the God that I serve allowed me to have the hope, the hope of healing George. And I stood with that. And I just, you know, I wanted him to, to stay on the life support. And so and that's what we did. It, it was an honor to spend time with George and Geraldine when I visited them in Uganda. George is loved by so many. Uh, it was no surprise to me when I found out how many people were praying for George. Missionaries around the world, our IMB staff, churches across the convention were all praying. Even a new church plant in North Africa uh, who heard about George from one of our missionaries set aside April 13th to hold a prayer vigil for George. The next day. George woke up. He literally woke up. 
So many people around the world got to see the power of prayer and that they were a part of God's decision to heal George. It was a miracle, truly a miracle, and that's what they said it was a miracle because by the science, George should not be alive, but he did survive, and it was because that God healed him. It's been a uphill struggle, but God has been there every, every step of the way. We talk a lot about pray, give, and go with the IMB. There's a reason we mentioned prayer first. It's foundational to everything we do. The church, every single one of us have a part to play. And prayer is the part that everyone plays. We all must pray. Men and women like George and Geraldine Smith depend on prayer. The lost, the unreached, the unengaged, their only hope is Christ. And it, they depend on our prayers. So the part we play is very, very clear. We have a part in praying, giving, going, as a church sending. These are the parts that every member plays. So my question to you today is, what part are you playing? Or are you playing your part? Only you can answer that before the Lord. Are you carefully and strategically praying for the needs of the nations? Do you have a plan for how you can give to the work of missions? Are you praying that God would raise up missionaries from this church and send them out? This is the work that God has called us to do. And then the last or the two more things I want to pull out from this verse is the next thing is the work. I want you to focus on that. It, it says, set apart for me. This is in verse two. Set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work. The work to which I have called them. The work to which I have called them. This is important because a lot of things in the world of missions gets labeled missions, but I want to ask the question, is it the work that God is asking us to engage in? The work can come to mean all kinds of things, and all of these things might be good, but is it the work of the church? So what is the work of the church? Well, the only way to know what that is is to look at what Paul and Barnabas did. And that story is told in the rest of 13 and the rest of 14. And then we can look at the whole work of the book of Acts and see the work that the missionaries that were sent out, what they did. And so I want you to see that uh, just a few verses. Let's look at 13 verse 5. What did they do in, when they first went out? When they reached Salamis, they began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. Now, the synagogue of the Jews, they did not believe in Christ. They did not believe in Jesus Christ. They had an Old Testament religion. They believed that the Messiah would come, but they did not believe that Jesus was the one that came. 
So what did they do? They went straight to the places, entered those locations, and they proclaimed the gospel. The work is the gospel. Secondly, what, what, does, it, what does it say in um, verses 23 through 25? From the offspring of this man, according to the promise, God has brought to Israel a savior, Jesus. So we see a very clear proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ is being proclaimed in this region. In chapter 14, verse 1, it says, And it came about that in Iconium they entered the synagogue of the Jews together and spoke in such a manner that a great multitude believed both of Jews and Greeks. And so it's very clear that the work was about proclaiming the gospel. Now, if we look throughout the full work of Acts, we see other things going on. We see people getting saved, and then they get, they get taught and discipled so they understand the word of God. We see churches being birthed. We see leaders being raised, leaders trained. And then what happens? They go to the next place and the next place and the next place. So at the IMB, this next picture shows you the work that we are committed to. Entry. You can't just enter an international country without understanding all the culture, language, the way people greet, the way people interact with one another. So we emphasize strategic entry. That means our missionaries get the opportunity to learn the language. They have one job when they arrive on the international mission field. Learn the culture, learn the language. And then we have people walking with them, helping them, nurturing them so that they do that well. Why? Because the next thing we're going to ask them to do is effectively engage in evangelism. We want them sharing the gospel. That's what we saw Paul and Barnabas do, right? We're just trying to do what we see in the book of Acts, what we see in the New Testament. So they go and they look for people and they share the gospel. Sean is going to come and share a story from our ministry of engaging in the missionary task. We've already effectively entered. We've been there 25 years. And she's going to share with you sharing the gospel with an unbeliever. What a blessing to be with you this morning. You know, I do live in Africa, but I could easily go and never enter. I could just be there. Just like there might be people in this church that are sitting here worshiping our sovereign God, who's holy, who has saved you from your sins and given you eternal life, and you leave and you never enter into the culture here. You never proclaim the gospel. So we have to be careful while we're in Africa that we are actively looking at how to be there. When I'm getting my hair cut to come on this trip by a Kenyan lady, I could sit on my phone. Or I could engage her in conversation to get to know her. I could use that conversation to get to know her so that I have an opportunity to evangelize. And when she shares with me how abused she has been by men in his, her life, I'm able to share with her the God who is a comforter to me and why and how I have a relationship with him. She was not interested, but I've planted a seed and I'm gonna get my hair cut again. Or I could be walking down the street in the community of Gathiga, 
Darren and I are members of a church in Nairobi called Muemuto Baptist Church. And as we taught them how to enter, how to evangelize, and how to disciple, they said, there's a community next to us called Gethia that has no evangelical church. They have the Anglican church, but there's no evangelical church. And so they said, we want to go into that community and teach them about Jesus Christ. So Darren and I would go every week. We would split up and walk up and down the street looking for people to share the gospel with. One day I saw three women sitting in front of their little shops that sell boxes of um, long life milk and some pasta and candy. They were sitting on stools very low to the ground and I asked if I could join them. And then using three circles, which is a tool you can use here in Richmond. I used three circles to show them what brokenness was. I explained the only way out of brokenness was by trusting in Jesus Christ. And the reason we were in brokenness was because we had left God's perfect design because of sin. Our God is holy. And we can see brokenness all around us. And they looked around Gathiga and they talked about, yes, they saw children being beaten. They saw the wives being beaten. They saw people fighting. They saw alcoholism impacting their community. And as I explained that it was only through believing and trusting in Jesus Christ who had come down from heaven, lived a holy, perfect, sinless life, died on the cross, dead three days, rose again, now at the right hand of God, by believing in him, I am a new person. I am transformed. And when I asked them, Tabitha, I said, Tabitha, what circle are you in? She said, I am in brokenness. And she said, Shauna, I am so tired of trying to be good enough on my own. I can't do it anymore. I said, Tabitha, we can pray right here. And she did pray. And she was so excited. And she began taking me to see different friends in the community. Now, just two months ago, a church has started in that community, and I want to ask you to pray for those new believers in Gathiga, that they would be actively involved in entering, mindfully entering into the community so that they can be involved in evangelism. They can be involved in discipleship and the rest of the missionary task. Thank you, Shauna. As we share the gospel, people get saved. Not everybody. We might share it with 100 people and maybe 10, 15, maybe 20 people get saved, maybe less. But as people get saved, what do we want to do? We need to disciple them. That's what we see in Acts. They teach them the ways of God. They help them understand how to walk with God. Well, they need a place to worship. So we have to start churches or help existing churches bring those people in because they need a church to worship. And they need, those churches need leaders. And so we're spending a lot of, a significant amount of time and effort in Sub-Saharan Africa to train leaders, to lead churches, to be on mission, to be sent out as missionaries. Because we really believe God wants to see African churches sending African missionaries to the ends of the earth. All believers have a part to play. Whether they're from Asia, whether they're from Africa, whether they're from South America, whether they're from the U.S., all believers have a part to play in reaching the nations. And so what we want to see is believers from everywhere going everywhere. That is the work of the church here in Antioch. That is the work of the church. As you think about your mission strategy for Transformation Church, 
Is it tied, no matter what you're doing, whether you're digging a well, whether you're feeding an orphan, whether you're engaging in a community development project, is it connected to this? Because this is the work of missions. This is the work of missions. Now, the last thing I want us to see is in chapter 14, verses 26 to 28. So again, the church, they prayed, they fasted, they sent out Paul and Barnabas to do the work. John joined them. They did the work, and then what did they do? Verse 26, and from there they sailed to Antioch. Where did they start? Started in Antioch. So they did all this work, and then they sailed back to Antioch, from which they had been commended to, by the, to the grace of God for the work that they had accomplished. And when they had arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all things that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles, and they spent a long time with the disciples. So, Shauna and I, we stand here with you today to report to you the work that you sent us to do. And we report to you the work that we have done. And we ask you to continue to join us in that work by praying, by giving, by going. On the table out back, there are numerous, there are cards that will help you pray. There are cards that will help you know how you can give. And there are cards that will help you know how you can go. Because Transformation Church is like the church at Antioch. We have the same mission. We have the same God. And God is raising up people to pray, give, and go because we all have a part to play. You may be listening and you might be thinking, you know, I'm not doing my part. Well, this is a perfect time to think, what is one thing I can do? What's one step I can take? And I would just say, pray about that. God, I'm not doing my part, but I want to do more. Start with praying. Maybe you are praying. Maybe you think, well, I need to do more. I need to give. Well, how do you do that? There are those cards that will give you specific ways you can give. The church takes up the offering to help support the work of the IMB. These are ways you can be a part. And there are some that I'm just convinced God will call to go. And they will ask Transformation Church to send. This is the work that we have been called to do. Father, we just come to you and ask that you would help us do our part. We don't have to do it all. We're not asked to do everything. We're only asked to do our part. May we faithfully take the step that you're asking us to do. May we look for ways we, as individuals and as a church, can pray, give, and go. That we as a church can pray that God would send one out from among us.
to go to the nations. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.